going on? You're listening to the Film Drunk Frogcast, coming at you not live from a series of frog quarters all across California. I'm Vince Mancini, and I am joined, as always, by you know him, you love him. He shakes when he eats. The irregular, regular Mr. Matt Lieb. Carry on my wayward love. There'll be peace when you lump bums. What's up? Oh, yeah. How you doing? I don't know if I've ever done that one. That felt good, though. <laughs> Spread the stars some more. Yeah. <laughs> it's about eating butts. Anyways. I like it. Yeah, it's by so, the band Kansas. Mm, love that's it. That's two. That's two euphemisms. I know. Can two, and yeah. ass. Yeah. Yeah. It's two for the price of lum. Mm, I like it. Anyways, we're having um, fun. <laughs> now that that's out of the way, uh, we also have another guest today uh, rejoining the pod. You know him. You Back. love him. Comedian Zach Chapeloni. Hey guys, thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for coming on, bruh bruh. How you doing? I'm good. I am good. Yeah, sh- soaking up this LA sun. Mm, mm, hell yeah. Yeah, you look you look uh bright. You're recording in your kitchen right now. It looks like you got direct sunlight on you, which mm. is uh I mean that's it's bad for my skin, but I'm not good soaking for up yours. the sun over here in Fresno. I'm just getting like gently smoked. Uh, I know we don't get to see, we haven't gotten to see the sun, but we've uh, we've been getting indirect heat for like a week now, and I'm getting I'm becoming very tender. Like my uh, yeah connective mm. tissues are starting oh. to liquefy. Oh God, you're just, so delicious right now. I'm gonna run Fuck. all the way down your chin, dude. I render, I'm, render baby. <laughs> oh, dude, I'm excited to just like watch the skin come off the bone. Mm. Mm. You're going to be stringy. You're going to be Vince Man stringy. <laughs> it's yeah, going to be that's delicious. Right. That's right. Is, uh, are the fires uh, like um, like the smoke from the fire? Uh, is the temperature lower because of it? Like, does it? Uh, is it- it's hard to know because the seasons are changing right now also at oh, the same okay. time. But yeah, it's like out in the... Uh, Sierra Nevadas and out in the Kings Canyon National Park. So, like yeah. when the when the wind blows that way, it's great. But then yeah. when it blows this way, it's uh, real bad. And then sometimes it changes like in the middle of the day. Like this morning, the air quality was really nice, and then three hours later, it was like hazardous. Yeah, stay inside. <laughs> yeah, basically. That sucks, dude. Oh, L.A. Uh, me and Zach can say uh, with certainty, L.A. right now, beautiful as shit. Mm. cooking that big ring light in the sky mm. yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> giving I you that the like, ring light in the that sky. diffused light that makes your you know a nice soft light mm-hmm. yeah just uh that's a good light yeah, yeah. flatters all your wrinkles and whatnot yeah 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 i mean i i uh when we did the stream a couple days ago um it's funny how like every mirror in my house is next to one of those like incandescent like normal bulbs, right? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, but then the LED lights of the studio um, where I stream are just all it does is show every single blemish that my face. Ha- it's I'm disgusting oh, it's in real life. Do the opposite of that. It's supposed to you know make your eyes yeah. pop and stuff. Is it because I look like trash? I, I like I'll look in the camera and I'll be like I I like put on makeup. I put it yeah. because I'm like all red and splotchy. It's disgusting. I really don't get how anyone has ever loved me. 
<laughs> you know that's what I mean? that that means the light's working yeah <laughs> exactly yeah that's how you can tell the light is working is when uh you feel uh consummately uh unloved but uh you know i i still i put on makeup and i felt better about myself so it's yeah all good. there you go that's all you need to do um yeah. You know, I, I would love to hear more about all of our personal lives, but I really <laughs> wanted to get to like my favorite. I know like everything's terrible in the world mm-hmm. and there's so many more important things to be reading about. Like there's the the new like Panama paper uh yeah, drop pen, this the week. Pandora papers. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Although the first article I read on it was like Putin's mistress has a bunch of uh properties and shell companies. And I was like, Well, yeah. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, no. A, a lot of it, it was just like the king of Jordan is stealing, and I'm like, I don't think I've ever expected a king not to steal. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. right in the title. Like, it's in the title. They're the king. That's what they get to do. Um, but so yeah. you know, obviously, like uh, this. Like we're gonna talk Venom two at some point. Yes. But sorry, we should say that up top. We're gonna talk about Venom two. Uh, let there be carnage mm-hmm. um we can talk about a lot of stuff but you want to start off with something i want to start off special. with something very pointless to anyone's lives <laughs> but that's what makes it so fascinating i think um yeah. yeah it's the the article in the new york times uh the title of was i'm trying to find the title it's about being a, it, a bad art friend yeah uh, what, what is it what is is it called I am a bad art friend. What, it what is, is called Who is the Bad Art Friend? Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Great title, by the way, right off the bat. Dr- oh, yeah. Drew Fantastic. me in. Um, if you're unfamiliar with this uh, discourse, uh, Zach, there was um, y- yesterday on Twitter, you may have seen um, something trending about someone called the kidney person. Mm-hmm. They just kept talking. Like everyone was making all of these vague comments yesterday, yeah. and I didn't understand them. Uh, about uh, you know a lady who had given away a kidney, and like people were making these statements, like, oh, you know, if if you gave away your kidney, you'd talk about it too. And I'm just like, what 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 is this even about? Yeah. Do well, I even yeah. want to know what this is about? And the the, the answer is yes, you absolutely do want to know. And I'm here to explain it. Um, yeah, this is from the New York Times. Uh, Don Dorland, an essayist and aspiring novelist who has taught writing classes in Los Angeles, is the sort of writer who, in one authorial mission statement, declares her faith in the power of fiction to, quote, share truth, to heal trauma, to build bridges. I'm compelled at funerals to shake hands with the dusty men who dig our graves, she has written. She is known for signing off her emails, not with all best or sincerely, but kindly. I'm just going to say right now, um, this is why... Uh, people hate writers um, more, or anyone who's interested in the creative writing field. It's like, like shit like this makes me respect um, like screenwriters more than anything because at least, or like TV writers. Cause I'm like, at least they uh, understand that what they're making is trash. You know what I mean? Right. Whereas like well, people are just thing. like, I'm a writer. Like those people. But that's nope. the whole thing about writing is it's not lucrative. So like you have to, fight over the scraps of prestige and like the, the amount of (laughs) prestige compensates for the lack of any money, like changing hands. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so, okay. This is that, you know, that was the introduction to one of our main characters, uh, in the story. What's her name Uh, again? Don Dorland. Don Dorland. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I just picture shaking the hand of the grave diggers going Don Gorland. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's Dorland. It, it alliterates. 
Yeah, like shaking the hands and just being like, I'm a writer. (laughs) And and then being like, I am literally putting dirt on a grave. Uh, But, Lady, come on. I'm just trying to... Trying to fill a grave up here. <laughs> I'm just trying to feed the my shovel family. Shovel requires both my hands. <laughs> uh, on June 24th, 2015, a year after completing her MFA in creative writing, Dorland did perhaps the kindest, most consequential thing, consequential thing she might ever do in her life. She donated one of her kidneys and elected to do it in a slightly unusual and particularly altruistic way. As a so-called non-directed donation, her kidney was not meant for anyone in particular, but instead was part of a donation chain coordinated by surgeons to provide a kidney to a recipient who may otherwise have no other living donor. Uh, There was some risk with the procedure, of course, and a recovery to think about, blah, blah, blah. But in truth, uh, Dorland, in her 30s at the time, had been wanting to do it for years. As soon as I learned I could, she told me recently, (laughs) on the phone from her home in Los Angeles, where she and her husband were caring for their toddler son and elderly pit bull, and in their spare time, volunteering at dog shelters and searching for adoptive families for feral cat litters. Oh, it's kind of like not overthinking love, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Giving away a kidney is definitely like not overthinking love. <laughs> That's <laughs> I fucking. <laughs> hey. Say yes. Just say yes to hunting down someone in need of a kidney. Yeah, exactly. It, not even. It's worse. It's like I'm doing a kidney garage sale here. First come, first serve. <laughs> right. Anyone who needs anyone need a kidney in this soup plantation? Like just going around. Um, several weeks before the surgery, Dorlin decided to share her truth with others. She started a private Facebook group inviting family and friends, including some fellow writers from Grub Street, the Boston Writing Center, where Dorland had spent many years learning her craft. After her surgery, she posted something to her group, a heartfelt letter she'd written to the final recipient of the surgical chain, whoever they may be. Uh, And then it's got the letter that she wrote. I guess I should read the letter. Personally, my childhood was marked by trauma and abuse. I didn't have the opportunity to form secure attachments with my family of origin. A positive outcome of my early life is empathy, that it opened a well of possibility between me and strangers. While perhaps many more people would be motivated to donate an organ to a friend or family member in need, to me, the suffering of strangers is just as real. I love it. I, for me personally, I just wanted to get it the fuck out of there. <laughs> I was like, just I don't need this. As soon as I realized I did not need this second kidney, I was like, get it the fuck out. Someone's yeah. going to want it. Uh, throughout my preparation for becoming a donor, I focused the majority of my mental energy on imagining and celebrating you. Um, oh, this is a letter to the uh recipient. whoever yeah Who, whoever's yeah. going to receive the thing to yeah. who it may concern my kidney kind of thing you're right yeah uh <laughs> in time dorland would start posting outside of the private group to all of facebook celebrating <laughs> her one-year kidneyversary and appearing as a oh. ucla health taker for a day at the staple center to support live organ donation <laughs> celebrate me i mean I, honestly <laughs> like i'm of two minds here the first mind the most obvious thing is it is a good it is a genuinely yes. a good thing that she did to to give a kidney away to whoever's in need of a kidney that that's a good that people should do that if you can afford to do that but it's not exactly the most selfless thing if you're going on Facebook and being like <laughs> hey guys you heard about my kidney right <laughs> yeah. oh it gets better 
I mean, basically, yeah, she's clearly out of her mind. But uh, if you're in need of a kidney, you you would hope that there are more people out of their minds in just this right. exact way. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> right. It's but a particular on... kind of psychosis that you're like, I hope this goes around. I also need a liver. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But on that note, uh, but just after the surgery, when she checked Facebook, Dorlin noticed some people she'd invited into the group hadn't seemed to react to any of her posts. I mean, oh my god, <laughs> insanity! On July twentieth, of course, she wrote an email to one of them, a writer named Sonia Larson. I mean, like to me, the whole article could just stop here because, like, the level of psychosis that you would need to start a private Facebook group celebrating yourself that you added random strangers to and then emailed someone in it directly to be like, Hey, why aren't you responding to the posts? Yeah. I've noticed. It's like, I'm glad you found the like button, but there is also a love and a care button. Yeah. Yeah, I've noticed that you, um, you did an angry face under this last kidney post that I had. And I just don't know (laughs) what is making you mad here. Uh, The, the funniest thing ever is that like also, Facebook has this like snitch function where it shows in a group everyone who has seen it. So you know who has seen it but doesn't like it. You know what I mean? Like if you if you haven't like commented or pressed the like button, like they're gonna know. And it's in some it's in some way relatable to be like, um, I don't really see like at least like when someone on for me it's Twitter if like someone like comments on something but they didn't they didn't fave it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just kind of like, come on, bro, like <laughs> bump up those numbers for me. Right. It's like that, that bit in the, uh, the key and peel ballet sketch where he's like, I see, I know you got my number though, but I see you ain't write that down. And it, <laughs> <laughs> I forget what he says, but yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, over email on July 21st, 2015, Larson answered Dorland's message with a chirpy reply. How have you been my dear? Dorland replied with a rundown of her next writing residencies and workshops and, as casually as possible, asked, I think you're aware that I donated my kidney this summer, right? (laughs) Only then did Larson gush, Ah, yes, I did see on Facebook that you donated your kidney. What a tremendous thing. (laughs) (laughs) Afterward, Dorland would wonder, If she really thought it was that great, why did she need reminding that it had happened? Jesus. Oh, my God. Fucking Christ. Uh, I'd be like, like, thanks for donating. Please leave me and my children out of this. (laughs) (laughs) This is such like single white female energy for like the modern era. I mean, the whole inciting event (laughs) was this person not commenting or liking posts in the private Facebook group that she'd been added to against her will. It is it is insane. Like people talk about how like Facebook is like destroyed the fabric of society and whatnot and all these ways where they're like, oh, you know, hacking into our elections, making people radicalized. But like this is the real shit that happens on Facebook. That's like people not liking each other's posts and deciding to fucking destroy the person for not liking the posts. Uh, they wouldn't cross paths again until the following spring. A brief hello at AWP, the annual writing conference, where the subject of Dorland's kidney went unmentioned. A month later at the Grub Street <laughs> Muse conference in Boston, Dorland sensed something had shifted. Not just with Larson, but with various Grub Street eminences, old friends and mentors of hers who also happened to be members of Larson's writing group, the Chunky Monkeys. Barely anyone brought up what she'd done, even though everyone must have known she'd done it. 
It was a strange little bit of like, if you've been at a funeral and nobody wanted to talk about it. It was just strange to me, she said. I left that conference with this question. Do writers not care about my kidney donation? Which kind of confused me. (laughs) Which kind of confused me because I thought I was in a community of service-oriented people. How did you think that? They're fucking, what are you talking about? They're writers. Writers serve no one but themselves. Right. Yeah. It's the entertainment industry. They're, like, so I right. thought this they're was not a- writing thank you cards right. all the time. <laughs> exactly. Uh, they're like, they're literally just like, you know, they're just writing whatever they can to get it published so that they can go to their next fucking, you know, conference and, you know, brag in front of the other lanyard monkeys <laughs> and just be like, yeah. did you see my new piece in the American yeah. writer? the conference <laughs> society and you're just like no i didn't see my new piece care. in this very prestigious literary journal that is read by upwards of dozens of people <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> oh uh, my god yeah so long story short um this other woman that don dorland hectored into uh acknowledging that she'd given a kidney uh yeah. has is like a more famous writer and had, had written a short story uh, in which there is like an entitled white lady who like wants to donate a kidney uh, to this like alcoholic uh, half Asian person. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it didn't take long for a clue to surface. On June twenty fourth, twenty sixteen, a Facebook friend of Dorland's named Tom Meek commented on one of Dorland's posts. Sonia read a cool story about giving out a kidney. You came to my mind, and I wondered if you were the source of inspiration. Still impressed you did this. Uh, first of all please don't kill me everyone should sign it please don't kill me (laughs) (laughs) remember me fondly bye (laughs) yeah i mean yeah first of all like total snitch tagging which i do not approve of generally um but in this case i mean without the without the snitch tag who knows if she would have ever found out about it yeah. But some people are that oblivious. Like, I wonder if it's just like some sweet old man that's like, thought of you the other day. Yeah, reading that's this true. Short story. <laughs> yeah, there is part. Don't kill me. <laughs> yeah, there is part of me. When someone read a story that was clearly about you. Yeah. <laughs> right. Especially the, the story in question, because it is just straight up just fucking uh it is just a troll it's like just burning her the whole time i mean you know it's (laughs) i like the hubris of acting like a psychopath and then expecting not people not to be fascinated by what a psychopath you are right and expecting not a bunch uh, not expecting writers in a in a a group of writers (laughs) to be like well, this seems like a story yeah. that's too good to pass can, up, can especially you, if she's oblivious, yeah. if she's oblivious to it. Can you believe writers yeah. would use my private life in a story like that? It's like of all the people, <laughs> of all the Facebook groups. <laughs> yeah, and it's th- this story in particular is so funny because it brings up issues that it like are it feels a little bit like I've seen in the comedy community, too, where it's like she finds out about the fact that this woman who uh, she hectored into acknowledging the existence of her kidney donation, uh, she finds out this woman has written a short story about her and she's mad, number one, because she's clearly being ripped on, but also because of the fact that like, she's like, if anyone's going to do material about this story, it's fucking me. Yeah. You know? And, right. and, and I feel like in comedy, there is that etiquette where you would go like, well, you can't tell someone else's story. You know what I mean? You gotta, right. you gotta wait 
for them to tell the story. And then, but there is also, yeah. um, I don't know. There's like a there's an expiration date on that, you know. So right. maybe she waited yeah. too long. Spend less time hounding people who haven't yeah. commented. <laughs> well, c- comedy more time writing your own fucking story. Yeah. Comedy's also annoying in other ways, where like you will use a premise that happens to be the same as someone else's premise, and someone's like. Oh, dude, you can't do that. Someone else has got a story, uh, uh, a joke about rescue dogs, too. And it's like, yeah, well, right. yeah, of course. It's like a thing that exists in the world that is like inherently <laughs> right. funny. Like, I'm not shocked I, three people wanted to all do jokes about it. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, um, new material about riding the bus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, Cosby's where you got that already from. Yeah. <laughs> Cosby's already got all of the Spanish fly material. You cannot do a Spanish fly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, all right. Yeah. It continues. Dorland was confused. A year earlier, Larson could hardly be bothered to talk about it. Now, at Trident Bookstore in Boston, she'd apparently read from a new short story that must about that very subject. Mika tagged Larson in this comment. Oh, double snitch tag. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Dorland thought that Larson must have seen it. Uh, she waited for Larson to chime in to say, Oh, yes, I'd meant to tell you, Don, or something like that. But there was nothing. Why would Sonia write about it, she wondered, and not tell her? Six days later, she decided to ask her. Much as she had a year earlier, she sent Larson a friendly email, including one pointed request. Hey, I heard you wrote a kidney donation story. Cool. Can I read it? (laughs) God, I feel at this point in the story, I feel so bad for the writer because the the writer's like, no, I, I, I cannot show this to you. You will hate me forever. Oh, my God. Uh, so the email exchange goes back and forth. You know, it gets increasingly more uh, testy. Hey, um, I, I heard uh, you and your, your friends all sat around drawing pictures of me. Can I see them? It, it's just <laughs> like. <laughs> uh, now, as she read these strained emails from Larson about the story of a kidney donation, her kidney donation, Dorland wondered if everyone at Grub Street had been playing a different game with rules she'd failed to grasp. On July 15th, 2016, Dorland's tone turned brittle, even wounded. Here was a friend entrusting something to you, making herself vulnerable to you. At least the conclusion I can draw from your responses is that I was mistaken to consider us the friends that I did. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, I mean, you, so, you got you to gotta wonder if they were ever really friends uh you of know. course not they were not yeah, they were at the same writing no no they were acquaintances yeah oh my god it's just and this, she added this... that she added the other chick to her psycho facebook group and then like hectored her about not being more active on it at which point she was like wow this chick's really a psychopath this seems like an interesting character in a story yeah of course uh and then she finds out. That's the scariest part. It's like, I don't know if there was really a Hannibal Lecter, but if one hit up like the screenwriter, was like, I heard you have quite the screenplay passing around <laughs> these days. Right. I'd be like, fuck. Yeah. No. She did kind of like, I mean, she she uh, she took a bite of the apple. There was like this irresistible sociopath in her midst. Uh, yeah. And so she was like, I got to put this in a story. But like in doing so, now you've entwined your life with a dangerous yeah. sociopath. Yeah. Um. So here's a little bit about the story. Chun Tao, or a character with that name, turns up in many of Larson's stories as a sort of motif, a little different each time. She appears again in The Kindest, the story that Larson had been reading at the Trident bookstore. 
Here, Chun Tao is married with an alcohol problem. A car crash precipitates the need for a new organ, and her whole family is hoping the donation will serve as a wake-up call, a chance for Chun Tao to re redeem herself. That's when the donor materializes. White, wealthy, and entitled, the woman who gave Chun Tao her kidney is not exactly an uncomplicated altruist. She is a stranger to her own impulses, unaware of how what she considers a selfless act also contains elements of intense, unbridled narcissism. Uh... In, in early drafts of the story, the donor character's name was Dawn. <laughs> in later drafts, Larson ended up changing the name to Rose. Uh, yeah, so... Yeah, that'll, that'll fix it. <laughs> I didn't want to name it her exact name, uh, so I changed it to Rose. Uh, so, yeah, so clearly, you know, uh, Dawn Dorland is still pissed about this. Mm -hmm. um, the writing world seemed more suspicious to her now. At around the time of her kidney donation, there was another writer, a published novelist, who announced a new book with a protagonist who, in its description, sounded to her an awful like the one in her novel, Econoline, not long after she'd shared sections of her work in progress with him. That author's book hasn't been published, and so Dor Dorland has no way of knowing if she'd really been wronged. But this only added to her sense that the guardrails had fallen off the profession... <laughs> Yeah, right. The, the fucking profession. You're, you, this is too much. This is, this is yeah. a Facebook group, and you guys write a bunch of short stories that you hope get published in magazines no one reads. This is not a profession. This is a bunch of this is crabs in a bucket. This is like right. this is like the same drama you see in like uh, local uh, open mic Facebook groups where people yeah. are just like <clears throat> ragging on each other for like stealing you know premises and shit like like. It's it's no different than that, but these oh, guys the all same. think they're they, they think yeah. they're well, it's fancy. Like the, it's the most realistic outcome. Yes, like you you invite all these like people who are writing to go look how crazy I am. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and then they write about it. It's, and they're like, what what did you do? It's, yeah, like oh this isn't God. dumb. I thought there were 10 rules. Times out of 10. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is like when people uh you know like date comics. And then, and I mean, I yeah. guess it's more, it's like if, if you, if you're a man and you date a female comic, um, she's probably going to talk about you on stage. You see that more, I think, than with, uh, you know, men talking about who they're dating. I mean, you see that as well, but, uh, and then they go like, oh man, I can't believe she talked about me on stage. And I was like, I mean, how can you we have what yeah did you see her act beforehand it was right, just right. that it was just like what drew you to this person when you're like well right. i thought there'd be some privacy with me i thought i was cool and i was like you're not that good <laughs> oh god um, uh beyond unhindered free free expression dorlin thought shouldn't there be some ethics what do you think we owe one another as writers in a community? She would wonder in an email several months later to the Times Dear Sugars Advice Podcast. And then in parentheses, the show never responded. <laughs> uh, by summer's end, she and Sonia had forged a fragile truce. I value our friendship and regret my part in these miscommunications and misunderstandings, Larson wrote. Not long after... Dorlin googled kidney and Sonia Larson and a link. <laughs> oh, it's a fragile truce. <laughs> Let me do some research. <laughs> and a link turned up. The story was available on Audible, an audio version put out by a small company called Plimpton. Dorlin's dread returned. 
uh, in July, Larson had told her, I'm working on the story. Now here it was, ready for purchase. Uh, Dorland could keep the kindest out of her life for only so long. In August 2017, the, the, uh, the print magazine American Short Fiction published the short story. She didn't buy a copy. Then in June 2018, she saw that the magazine dropped its paywall for the story. The promo and accompanying Wait, essay. Wait, that's why she didn't buy it. <laughs> she, she was like, well, I'm not paying for it. Oh. Yeah. Uh, so basically, she uh, recognizes a version of the letter that she wrote to her uh, future kidney recipient in the yeah. story. Yeah, so this is where this is where shit shifts because at this point I'm kind of like, what do you expect from this writer? You act like oh, uh, it does not uh, sh- shift at all for me. Oh no, for <laughs> me it does because it's like you act like an insane person, and uh, you know you don't expect your writers group to be like this person's weird and someone to write a story about it. That's like kind of on you. But then the letter pops up, and it, she actually does word for word in a version of this. Uh, plagiarize her 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 weird letter. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess like she, yeah, she. He, the, the early version of the story has it like verbatim the letter almost, and then right. later later you know she changed it around a little bit. But like again, right. that's good. That's good material. No, right. I, you can't write that stuff. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's it is too good to pass up, and, and I totally get that. And also, think, the other, that yeah. other person added her to this Facebook group like against her will, and then posted right. this letter in a public forum. Like, <laughs> right. I mean, I don't know, shoving it down her throat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but what what I think changes it for me is that like at this point in the story, it is it now becomes this like legal feud between these two people, like. Yeah. Dorland, the oh, kidney. I, I got the, I got some a little a, a lot about that where it just oh. becomes like an insane pissing contest. Yes. Uh, yeah. This was when Dorland decided to push back first a little and then a lot. Or sorry, it, it was uh, it, she decided to push back when she learned that the story was the 2018 selection for One City One Story, a common reads <laughs> program sponsored by the Boston Book Festival. <laughs> this is very. <laughs> hey, that tag I wrote, you did on Conan. <laughs> I'm the one who said that you know, finger up the butt. That was my <laughs> line. I gave it to you. You should give me credit. Oh, man. This wasn't about art anymore. Not Larson's anyway. It was all about her art, her letter, her words, her life. She shopped for a legal opinion. Uh, did, Don's, did Larson's use of the letter violate copyright law? Um. Uh, even getting a lawyer to look into that one little question seemed too expensive, but that didn't stop her from contacting American Short Fiction and the Boston Book Festival herself with a few choice questions. What was their policy on plagiarism? Did they know they were publishing something that used someone else's words? Uh, she received vague assurances that they'd get back to her. While waiting, she also contacted Grub Street's leadership. What did this supposedly supportive, equitable community have to say about plagiarism? No response. She emailed the Breadloaf Writing Conference in Vermont, where Larson had once had a scholarship. What would they do if one of their scholars was discovered to have plagiarized? Uh, on privacy grounds, Breadloaf refused to say if the kindest was part of Larson's 2017 application. But Dorland found more groups with a connection to Larson to notify, including the Vermont Studio Center and the Association of Literary Scholars, Critics, and Writers. I mean, just like insane, insane oh. shit. Also, like, is 
like, is it plagiarism when you're like, hey, you copied word for word, like the thing I carved into my own chest? Yeah, you know, yeah, like exactly. it's like my crazy rant. Yeah. It's not like a, a work you put out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, um, I noticed that uh, in your book about a serial killer, the uh, manifesto that you wrote borrows a lot from me. <laughs> yeah. Sincerely, uh, Dylan Roof. <laughs> Just like- <laughs> yeah. And I also like the amount of like organizations and scholarships and uh fucking like residencies and fellowships that that are involved in this it's like how do you guys have any time to write when you're like (laughs) yeah being part of this (laughs) many groups and uh, organizations crazy um yeah so this becomes like a huge pissing contest uh and then you know the the chunky monkeys which is larson's writing group get involved Mm -hmm. and they're kind of like you know defending defending their girl just um, the most effete gang of all time, the Chunky yeah. Monkeys. The pen is mightier than the sword. <laughs> <Like>. <laughs> and then there's this little fuck you that I really appreciated. In mid-August, Dorland learned that Larson had made changes to the kindest for the Common Reads program. In this new new version, every similar phrase in the donor's letter was reworded. But there was something new. At the end of the letter, instead of closing with warmly, Larson had switched it to kindly. <laughs> With that one word, the sign-off she uses in her emails, Dorlin felt trolled. Yeah. She, <laughs> yeah. She, she Th- that's what's that, happening. <laughs> she thought that it would go to press and be read by the city of Boston before I realized that she had jabbed me in the eye, Dorlin said. God. And, and it's just <laughs> like... Kindly. It's, it's kindly just, is my thing. Yeah. I'm the only one who says kindly. Uh, <laughs> no, but it's like it, you are being trolled. And like what you're mm-hmm. the most mad about is that like this very small community uh, that that is like has no like in terms of like national fucking yeah. like, like it's not like the nation is reading about it. like now the nation is reading about it and uh kind of seems like you try sand affected yourself here like uh, imagine being of trying to be a friend in the chunky monkey group and being like i never thought i'd have to say this but we don't matter none yeah, of this none exactly. of us matter yeah. <laughs> it's like when people use sf sketchfest as a credit you're just like yeah, right. i get that it is a big deal when you live in san francisco to get in the sketchfest it feels good it's like i've been chosen as a but like it's like you don't you don't try to murder someone because they got into sketchfest and you did it <laughs> yeah. dorland's lawyer let the festival know she wasn't satisfied that she still considered the letter and the story to be a derivative work of her original. If the festival ran the story, she'd sue. Oh, man. (laughs) In in truth, Larson had been frustrated by the situation. Quote, she seemed to think that she had ownership over the topic of kidney donation. Larson recalled (laughs) in an email to the audio publisher, it made me realize that she is very obsessive. (laughs) (laughs) Just then? Yeah. Just now? You think? Uh... (laughs) So, so then at a certain point, uh, the chunky monkeys, perhaps, uh, you know, in in a mistake, uh, decided that this was going to be like an example of, uh, white privilege at work. Yes. Um, yeah, this was their mode of fighting back was to say like, this was what she was doing was some sort of racism and and I, I, it was like one of those points where I was just like, because the, the writer of the kidney piece uh, is half Asian and writes a lot about like Asian themes and uh, and whatnot. And I guess her like crazy lady being mad about being trolled by her 
uh, was they? I don't know. They tried to spin it oh, as I like got, I got a quote from that. Oh, Karen. please, yeah. She, yeah. Uh, uh, Larson wrote a statement to the Globe declaring that anyone who sympathized with Dorland's claims afforded Dorland a certain privilege. My piece is fiction, she wrote. It is not her story, and my letter is not her letter, and she shouldn't want it to be. She wouldn't want to be associated with my story's portrayal and critique of white savior dynamics. But her recent behavior, ironically, is exhibiting the very blindness I'm writing about, as she demands explic- explicit identification in and credit for a writer of color's work. See, this is, I'm sorry, but this is, this is where I was like losing it with, I was like, both of these people suck because the truth of it is, and it comes out later uh, in this article, um, that she's just not saying what, what's actually happening here is, is like, what's actually happening here is that you were trolling her and you don't like her and you couldn't help yourself. You had to write it. I think it's exactly what happens online all the time, which is that one person uh, like does a thing and clearly like outs themselves as like you know a quasi sociopath or just like a shitty annoying person right. and like every person's reaction is to be like okay that's a shitty annoying person and we should always just leave it at that but like somewhere along the line people always try to add like a moral dimension to why they think someone is shitty right. or like the, just yes. obnoxious and it's always it's always like oh this right. is like typical white behavior blah 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 and it's like mm-hmm. you know. Like you don't have to add uh, like a moral dimension and be self righteous yeah. about just thinking someone's obnoxious because like yeah the, just there yeah. doesn't some people yeah, there, are obnoxious yeah there doesn't need to be a political reason for you to hate someone who yes. just sucks yeah like, you're she not just grand sucks you're not grandstanding <laughs> yeah. when you dunk on the bean dad like he does yeah he did something that was worthy of dunks like we don't need to make it a big like a teachable moment <laughs> yeah we we and I think yeah this does happen online all the time but I think what to me was like. I don't know the 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 smoking gun was in litigation or in you know once uh they the legal aspect of this started up in discovery they found like hundreds <laughs> yeah. of pages but, but wait wait I'll get to that in a second uh, <laughs> okay. uh oh so yeah uh Celeste Larson's friend Celeste Ng agrees at least in part that the conflict seemed racially coded uh, there's very little emphasis on what this must be like for Sonia, Ng told me, and what it is like for writers of color generally to write a story uh. and then be told by a white writer, actually, you owe that to me. Um, so, but, <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's it just is, not what's happening. Yeah. That's not what's happening. <laughs> so all this, so they're pissing back and forth, and they're both yelling at the Boston Book Festival. Uh, yes, yes, and <laughs> that's inter- right. And so on August 13th, Deborah Porter, the executive director of the Boston Book Festival, told Larson that one city, one story was canceled for the year. Uh, <laughs> they just canceled. <laughs> they just canceled the whole thing. Uh, there is seemingly no end to this. We wrote. She wrote, and we cannot afford to spend any more time or resources. Uh, yeah. Um, I just picture it being like a sweet, like the secretary from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, just yeah, like sitting yeah. down for the book fair, like, all right, I'm on the right <laughs> Gmail account here. Let's open up inbox. Oh, Lord. Yeah. <laughs> Did I join a listserv or something? What is this? <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Let's just cancel the whole thing. I'm um, just a volunteer. Le- like, I don't even make money for this. <laughs> okay, uh, I'm going to reply to both of you. A plague on both of your houses. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, and as you pointed out, Matt, like, they canceled the book fair, and then they were still, like, trying to sue and counter sue over the story that at one point uh, – one lawyer notes, like, my client has only made $495 off of this story, like, <laughs> like, like ever. 
Um, so then, so then uh, they're suing, and because they're suing, there's a discovery phase, and uh, basically, uh, the discovery phase uncorks something unexpected—a trove of documents that seem to recast the conflict in entire in an entirely new way. Uh, absolutely expected, by the way. This yeah, is the most expected. <laughs> this is the most expected part of this article. Yeah. There in black and white were pages and pages of printed texts and emails between Larson and her writer friends gossiping about Dorland and deriding everything about her. Not just her, cla- <laughs> not just her claim of being appropriated, but the way she talked publicly about her kidney donation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they just they were just like uh, this. Uh, can you believe this fucking lady? Like, that's, yeah, which anyone would do. Anyone would yeah. do. Uh, that is what group chats are for. It's for doing a screenshot of the weirdest friend you have on the internet and going, yep. "Look at him go." <laughs> like, it is uh, but, so but you'll great. never you'll never guess what happens. Uh, this only somehow affirms Dorland's belief that she's the protagonist uh, of reality. Yes, um, of course. Yeah, so they talk shit on her, which is kind of sucks for everybody who's in the like group chat because like, what what did they do? Like they yeah. were ta- they were talking shit about someone that was acting like a psychopath. Their uh, biggest yeah. crime, in my opinion, was not telling um uh uh what's her name Larson, like yo 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 uh, uh listen, I'm all for you writing a short story about this, but like don't make it a kidney thing. That's too. That's not creative yeah. enough. Like, like right. uh, make it something, another white savior thing, adopting a black child or something, you know, yeah. like make it just don't make it that you should fully expect the person who invited you to a Facebook group to brag about her organ donation and then messaged mm-hmm. you like, hey, you haven't liked the post yet. You should expect that person to be insane. Yeah. So right. you've, you've invited a they vampire notice when you're not. They notice when you're not liking a post right exactly. like, let alone when you're actually putting something out into the fucking exactly like yeah. like this is uh, like the uh, the biggest mistake of her friend group not telling her hey uh this is uh this is a bad idea yeah yeah um so then uh you know the discovery phase all the all the texts come out mm-hmm. um Dorlin learned about the emails, a few hundred pages of them from her new lawyer susan elavecki who read them first and warned her that they might be triggering when she finally went through them, she saw what she meant. The chunky monkeys knew the donor and the kindest was Dorland, and they were laughing at her. Everything she dreaded and feared about raising her voice, that so many writers she revered secretly dismissed and ostracized her, that absolutely no one except her own lawyer seemed to care that her words were sitting there, trapped inside someone else's work of art, that a slew of people, supposedly her friends, might actually believe she'd donated an organ just for the likes, now seemed completely confirmed with no way to sugarcoat it. It's like I became sort of a dark matter mascot to all of them somehow, she said. Yeah. It's like, uh, not really. From, but- <laughs> from, well, like from day one, you've been, it's like, I want everyone to come to my birthday party and I'm going to be the dinosaur king and I'm going to dance in circles. <laughs> and then they all laugh. And I'm like, my biggest fear is people laughing at me in a costume. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe they made fun of me for acting like a dinosaur. This would be the the <laughs> most incredible, like five part Judge Judy series. I know, finale. I know. It's it, like it, small claim for four hundred and ninety dollars or whatever it was. Honestly, like they should they they need to team up. Uh, like they need to get over this shit, stop with the legal yeah. stuff, and just like co-write the screenplay together uh, yeah. because it is just too incredible of a story. It's too yeah. good. 
Uh, so then it gets to like what I think is like the nut of the whole piece. Mm. Um, but there was also something clarifying about it. Now more than ever, she believes that the kindest was personal. Quote, I think she wanted me to read her story, Dorland said. And for me and possibly no one else to recognize my letter. No, I'm sorry. No, the last wow. thing she wanted was for you to see it. She wanted all she wanted to do was dunk on you in private and public and have you not notice. Like, yes, the last thing you want is to explain to someone. Yeah, that is about you. I'm dunking on you. I'm sorry. And to be honest with you, I feel like this is one of the problems I have with the, the person who wrote the piece um, or wrote the short story is that like she gets so defensive about it when all she needs to do well i think she got defensive about the other person like emailing literally everyone she ever knew to like call her a plagiarist well yeah. no but i mean i think i think uh the, the fair enough but part of me is just like listen if you just like were straight up with her and were like yeah it's kind of about you i mean you did kind of an insane thing and I just, do, I need you, you to think know that, do you think that, that this would have helped funny? at that point. Not helped, but I mean, I feel like I would have had a little bit more uh, like sense of like, cause to me, I'm like, ah, they both kind of suck. Like one is yeah. absolutely just like making fun of this, like poor, you know, crazy girl behind her back. <laughs> yeah. You know, I feel bad for her I, for like, I she's, don't, she's being no. made fun of that. Like that sucks. I Especially feel like there's after a clear she, sucking imbalance like i i feel sure. like everybody's take was like oh they both suck and blah 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 i'm like okay yeah but one person is clearly like a sociopath here what one person yeah. is, is clearly worse i guess one one's sociopathy like dorland's sociopathy is like unique it's it's yes. special whereas like <laughs> yeah. the writer's sociopathy is just what modern society is now yeah which that's is like, like the mundane like larry david style right, uh, pettiness right. like we, right. we've all done it yeah, we've yeah. all made fun of someone in the group chat. Um and you know, if you're if you're talented enough, you can make fun of someone on a national stage or at least a yeah. regional stage. Yeah, or yeah. at least, you know, a uh a, a stage supported by the National Endowment for the Arts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, it's it's really it's a fantastic story. The legal dispute still goes on. We're going to see if uh she actually, you know, is able to um, you know, uh, win her case. Part of me is like, I hope she does because she's just crazy enough that I'm like, I, I don't know. There's something about her insanity that makes me feel like she is the protagonist. Is that weird? Oh. Well, yeah. Apparently, like it came out that she had pitched the Times on this. Like Don Dorland had pitched the Times the story, basically, which yeah. makes complete oh, yeah. sense. Yeah, I Absolutely. mean, but this is a. This is a bad idea. I'm sorry, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is how oblivious she is. She's someone who pitches the story and goes like, "This'll help." <laughs> yeah. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. I, I mean, I, yeah, yeah. But I, like, I just feel like it's a little too. I've seen. I saw a lot of takes where it's like, "Man, everyone in this story sucks," and it's like, I mean, I, I guess kind of. I mean, I right. get that it's a dumb idea to invoke mm -hmm. uh political issues in your like petty grievance i think that was like a clear uh misstep here right. but one person was clearly a psychopath in absolutely the story, and other people mm -hmm. were interested by it and that's right yeah of course i guess what i'm saying is uh, that everyone in the writers group including the writer uh larson herself are people that i think i dislike on instinct i already dislike them 
uh, generally like this like entire like oh we 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 write short essays type people you know right right um whereas like the chunky monkeys yeah the, uh, yeah I'm not a fan get, of the chunky the monkeys in general um whereas <laughs> like um when someone is that level of oblivious and insane where they like mm-hmm. they gotta get the kidney out <laughs> and they and they want to feel good about getting the kidney out I'm like. I, I definitely find that person to be more of a sociopath, but there's something about them that I find a, at least like, I don't I know. Think, I think they're precious and obnoxious. Like, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I'm biased having done an MFA program, but luckily I was yeah. nonfiction concentration. So like, yeah, that's basically telling everyone, you know, right off the bat, it's basically a disclaimer that says, yes, I might write about you someday. Like, right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like do something crazy and uh, it will be written down. Yeah. Speaking, <laughs> s- speaking of um, some of the greatest um, writing ever uh, put on. Uh, Ooh, this is going to be a good segue. I can feel it. Um, <laughs> let's talk about uh, Venom. The uh, the the carnage continues, or what is it called? Uh, tomorrow, yeah, let never, there be carnage. T- tomorrow never carnages, um, and then there was carnage. Yeah, live and let carnage. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. Which was uh, first of all, I, I didn't know this until the end. Story credit by Tom Hardy. Oh, <laughs> story by. I didn't see that. I yeah. mean, he was responsible for the best scene in the first one, which is him jumping into the lobster tank. You know, I uh, so <laughs> I forgot about that. I I like a confession real quick. I never saw the first Venom, so oh, there were parts of. I mean, the worst thing yeah. about that is that you missed uh, Eminem's theme song running through the credits, and now it's like <laughs> because of Eminem, it's impossible for me to hear Venom without thinking like Venom, 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 Venom. <laughs> Oh, that's an awful hot Venom pot. Should I drop it on Carnage's head? Probably not. Should I drop it on a lobster pot? Probably not. (laughs) The best part about sitting next to Matt having not seen Venom 1 is like him absorbing the blow of like how goofy the movie is. Like how wacky they make Venom. He's like, wait, what? He's not like a scary bad person? No. He's like drop dead Fred with teeth. Yeah. That's exactly right. I just kept turning to Zach and I was just like, is Venom supposed to be like gay coded? What's happening here? Yeah. No, he's, he's just, jokes a lot. Yeah, yeah. He, he's just cookie monster. Tom Hardy. <laughs> I love it. I, I, I was, I, I, I had mixed feelings about the movie because like I had heard a lot of bad things about it. Like people were like, Oh, it sucks or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, I guess it sucks, but it's also so not what I was expecting from a Venom movie that I'm kind of like, yeah, I get it. This this kind of yeah, no, it's, good. it sucks. Well, I think they say it sucks because it's not like self-important at all. It's oh, like, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's deliberately dumb. And yeah. to me, that's like kind of what I want in a superhero yeah. movie right now is yeah. that like there's no uh like political issues addressed it's not like oh venom is the movie that you need to see right now mm-hmm. it yeah it's not two and a half hours long it's just yeah. like okay here's fucking drop dead fred with teeth 
I'm like, yeah. Sweet. I want a Q&A with a director that goes, I mean, what do you want from me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. After every, yeah. after every choice, it's just like, yeah, yeah, I decided to make all the SF cops have New York accents. What do you want from me? I'm making a movie here. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so Tom Hardy is this guy, Eddie Brock. He's like a reporter. He lives in San Francisco. He's mm-hmm. infected with a thing called a symbiote, which is like Venom, who's like right. his alter it's an ego. alien. Yeah, he's yeah, an alien. Yeah. He's a... Yeah. Uh, he needs brains or chocolate. What, is that explained in the first one? Because I was like, why no. is he a zombie? <laughs> yeah. there, he said something. That there's like some chemical that I think they made up for the movie. That, yeah. yeah. I need yeah, this chemical exists. to survive, and it's only found in brains and chocolate. <laughs> um, and then Tom Hardy's like, that's what I bought the chickens for. Chickens have brains. And he's like, not Sonny and Cher. They're my friends now. Yeah, it's like, those are yeah. my best friends. <laughs> yeah. yeah, They're cute. Yeah. yeah. So then uh, Venom, I, 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 we showed up late because they took long, too long uh, uh, filling up our snack bar snacks when, oh, when it I happens. saw it. Yeah. So um, I missed the part uh, where we find out why Eddie Brock goes to interview the serial killer played by Woody Harrelson. Oh, I, I saw the whole thing and I missed the part. Oh, okay. yeah, they just jump right in. They jump right they into jump. it. He just does. And uh-huh. uh, again, as someone who who didn't see the movie, uh, the first one, I had assumed that there was possibly some backstory that, you know, that I was missing out on. And it's not until the end of the movie when Woody Harrelson, who plays Carnage, um, is like fighting Eddie Brock that you find out that what he's mad about is that Eddie Brock did fake news. He's he, he's <laughs> mad because he wrote a mean article about him. Yeah, he's basically yeah. he's he's uh, Don Dorlin. And oh, okay, <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, it wasn't an accurate portrayal yeah. of my entire yeah. life's yeah. work. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. gave a kidney out of the goodness of my heart. <laughs> <laughs> so Eddie Brock and his secret alien friend go to interview Cletus Cassidy, the serial killer. Yeah, and uh, like Venom notices like a map to another body on the wall i guess yeah yep. yeah and then yeah. they never really say whose body that is or like why no. just someone he murdered yeah. killed him it's just like yeah it's he he murdered that guy so then uh you know of course eddie's career as a journalist is reinvigorated because he helped them fi- find this body mm-hmm. uh but uh what's his name venom is is bitter because he didn't get the credit for uh, being right. the one that that found it. Yeah, um, this or is at least you know, get paid fairly in brains and chocolate. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So he's the, like he's thinking of unionizing, you know, and uh, <laughs> and Eddie Brock is you know won't have it. This is so you know creative the, partnerships are like this. The backstory on this movie, which I didn't really fully grasp until I, after I'd left the theater, is that. This was directed by Andy Serkis, who plays yes. the plays the chimp in Planet of the Apes and Gollum, and yeah. it was written by the lady who did like Saving Mr. Banks, um, <laughs> in which like to find one example was there one thing in that movie where you're like, oh, this is clearly uh, Gollum's directing this, or <laughs> like there's not one sign that either of them are have done this movie. Like their handiwork is not uh, detectable at all in any sense. No, you know what? I I think they they do have a uh, they they I mean they live in that world of like 
the thing on your, sh- like the devil on your shoulder, you know, very Gollum-y, like that's talking true. to the fucking thing that's like, we have to do this. And that's it's like, right. shut up, shut up me. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and in terms of saving Mr. Banks, that's the one about Mary Poppins, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is mm. also a mixture of um, cartoons and, and live action. So <laughs> sure. <laughs> I mean, I like that it was, so basically like the movie is structured as almost like a rom-com between Tom Hardy yes. and and Venom, yeah, which I loved. I thought that yeah. was the best the the best thing about it. I was I was agreed. Like, yeah, like, that, there's no because every Marvel movie now is basically like dedicated to the premise that uh, you know there's this shadowy extra governmental organization uh, that is <laughs> right. dedicated to your safety and it's kind of scary, but they also like eat, make cute jokes and eat shawarma and shit, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. Which is like kind of just makes you feel icky about the entire endeavor, yeah. even if, even aside from the fact that the entire plot of all of them is just like a totally self-referential thing about other Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whereas this one was just like a dumb rom-com about a guy and his pet alien. Yeah. Well, what I love is like uh, Venom is is that like dark side of 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 us you know that's yeah. like let's get chocolate ice cream you yeah. know which is like bad but not that bad yeah and then carnage is like a much worse version that's like i want to punch your wife yeah and it's like all right dude. yeah it's like the devil one of the devils on your shoulder is basically just like a kathy cartoon where it's like You're right ah, i want to eat ice cream and then the, and the other one is like full-on ike turner the other one's like yeah if she speaks out of turn again yeah yeah. Kiss her goodbye. Oh, I hate the sound of lady voices. <laughs> They're so, always yapping, bop, 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 bop. Shut up. So Venom and Eddie Brock go back to prison before Cletus Cassidy is about to get uh, executed for killing whoever the fuck it was that he killed. Right. Um, yeah. And he provokes Venom into like a fight and then uh, and bites. He bites Eddie, Eddie Brock. Brock. And so he gets infected with like a the symbiote who turns into like a different thing when they try to lethally inject him. Yeah. Yeah, Venom Delta. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. He's the Delta variant. Yeah. Yeah. So I love when he, when he bites him, he goes like, I've tasted blood before. This is not blood. (laughs) (laughs) That was a great line. Yeah. Uh, So yeah. So then the, so then like the, the Venom blood saves him, but it turns into, he turns into a giant pink, like like red dog dick like yeah veiny. it's like throbbing dick <laughs> He's just a, a lot just, of like throbbing dick just the <laughs> thickest ropes you're just like what is this uh, <laughs> yeah. and at one point Does like it need they, veins well i guess i'm getting i'm getting ahead of myself so carnage um here's where i got a little confused what does carnage want like, so, d- he wants to uh do carnage yeah <laughs> I think like Cletus wants- Cassidy gets out and he wants to break oh, he- his his weird X-Man girlfriend out of uh, the Victorian insane asylum. Who hasn't aged since they were 19. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's like, like Woody Allen is like 72, I'm pretty sure. Dude. Yeah. Uh, Woody he's Harrelson. Old, old. Or uh, Woody Harrelson. <laughs> yeah. Woody, Woody well, Allen. I mean, black don't crack. Come on. <laughs> I would love it if Woody Allen, though, was Carnage. <laughs> would, oh, yeah. God. What would Woody Allen's Carnage be like? <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, just yeah, like, yeah. Oh, oh, God, I got to go save my underage girlfriend. 
I, 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 I just, don't want uh, her you know, screaming again. She just screams and screams. I'm going to kill her yeah, if she yeah. screams again. I love it. It's just like Eddie Brock is just is just his Mia Farrow. It's just... <laughs> <laughs> it's just uh, so man. then Cletus gets out and he, you know, does what any serial killer would do when he gets out of prison, which is like find his girlfriend and get married. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And then for some reason, because of this, him and Venom have to fight. Yeah, 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 because 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 Carnage is also like calling Venom his dad, be uh, oh. which yeah he right. he's, he's calls him father, and yeah. I guess we're supposed to assume that I don't know because Venom is Venom scared of him because he's a red symbiote, which I guess has some significance like in another context, which I don't know what yeah more that was powerful yeah. Yeah. I thought that was just a really good joke where he was just like, oh, no, a red one like that. Yeah. I was like, yeah, right. <laughs> that's very funny. I'm out. <laughs> yeah. It was what just, was funny was the yeah. dropping of the word father. Like yeah. it gives me that like Luke Skywalker reaction. So I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. And I was like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. He's like from him or something. You right. Know, like, yeah. We knew it. Yeah. But it sounded like, whoa, that's your son. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it's it's in the it's structured as a reveal, but it's not really like a reveal at all. You're yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. What? You're, yeah. <laughs> like, how does that change anything? Yeah. Uh, so, like, Carnage wants Venom to witness his wedding for some reason. Don't really know why. Doesn't matter uh, why. <laughs> don't really know why the girlfriend needs to have the only superpower, like, capable of. Uh, like neutralizing alien symbiotes. Yeah. That's just bad. Yeah. That's just like bad sexual chemistry. I think, you know, it's like, ah, oh, sure. you guys, you guys aren't really compatible with each other. So that's, that's yeah. too bad. So um, then yeah. Venom eventually defeats carnage because, because he and Eddie Brock are more compatible in their like relationship. Right. Than carnage yeah. and Cletus Cassidy, mm-hmm. Cletus Cassidy and carnage can't get along. And so, uh, you know yeah and then well it was weird because they worked together so quickly to come up with an idea carnage was like all right so you guys want to get married yeah i want to kill venom and you have a couple people you want let's do like a wedding yeah and three guests yeah. that we kill and yeah. i was like whoa you it'll, guys seem to be working together great it'll yeah. be like a red wedding so yeah. to speak <laughs> yeah uh, I, I, he literally says red wedding and i'm like i love the universe in which carnage has seen game of thrones <laughs> yeah. yeah well i mean venom has seen sunny and share so good point <laughs> that's true good point that is true so they are there's familiar with american pop culture there's a red wedding and then there's like a fight sequence uh, again not really sure why they fight but because of the rules of comic book movies they have to fight and then the moment that like sort of ties everything together for me that was sort of fascinating and uh, I thought it was kind of America in a nutshell it was like at the at the end of the fight sequence, uh, Cletus Cassidy is attempting to uh, like have a heart to heart with Venom or mm-hmm. with Eddie Brock I guess and and he's like uh, he's you know this is a guy that uh, was orphaned and then sexually abused in an orphanage uh, and then. <laughs> And then watched his childhood girlfriend get killed. So he thought like in front of him uh, before he became a serial killer. And so he's sort of telling this to Venom at the end of the movie, at the end of the fight sequence. And he's like, all I ever really wanted was to be loved. (laughs) And then there's a pause and Venom just growls, fuck this guy and bites his head off. (laughs) (laughs) 
and the crowd cheered. Oh, it was amazing. I think it was, to me, that was like, oh, I hope this starts a wave of new superhero movies where they don't allow this kind of shit to happen and they just have guys biting people's heads off. Right. We all have traumas we're dealing <laughs> yeah, with. Exactly. Kicks them off the cliff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone's got problems as Batman shoots the Joker in the face. <laughs> yeah. So then, yeah, so then the movie ends sort of, but, you know, they all have, of course, have to have like three post credit sequences. Yeah. Uh, during which people also get excited like when spider-man shows up oh yeah yeah i was like at the very least i was glad that they they left their fucking like you know mcu synergistic fucking like uh post-roll ad for the very yeah. end for the post-credit right. sequence as opposed to doing it in the middle of the movie you know yeah, yeah i 100 agree with that but they also just kind of undid everything that i liked about the movie which was that it it was just this self-contained bit of weirdness. And, True. Uh, who gives a shit about how it connects to the Marvel universe? But at the end, they're like, ah, here's how. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's weird because like Venom just wants to kill like bad guys. You know, that's his compromise. <laughs> yeah. And so then he sees Spider-Man. He's like, fuck it. Yeah. I kill that. And it's like, oh. All right, so I guess deals off. What like what's going on? Is, is, is his yeah. brain like extra tasty looking or something? Yeah, I mean, for me, I was just like I thought that a Venom movie was about a bad guy, and so right. like I, uh, you know, when I watched it, I was, I was pleasantly surprised as to him just being you know gay, uh, uh, gay coded, and I was like, okay, yeah. this is this is fun. And then, you know, with that post-credit sequence, I was just like, I just treat it as like, ah, they have to. There's, they're, right. they're, they're, it's against the law. These all, as I was watching the movie, I was like, the, we got Michelle Williams, uh, fucking, um, what's what's Eddie Brock, uh, what's his name? Tom Hardy. Uh, Tom, Tom, Tom Hardy. And Stephen Graham, three of probably, you know, I would say some of the best actors that we have, you know, feels very generous to Michelle Williams, but I see what you're saying. I think Michelle Williams is a brilliant actress. I think she's very, she, yeah, very good. She's had some. I think I, she plays the same character in every. She role, was different which in this one. Someone who acts like she'd be angry at you for farting. That that <laughs> that's yeah. Well, she not plays angry very, at you, but saddened. Like like she's sad at you for and, farting. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like, no, I mean, but uh, I think Michelle Williams and Tom Hardy and Stephen Graham, who I think is just one of the most underrated character actors of all time, who has somehow gotten pigeonholed into just being a New York guy, even though yeah. he's like, he's literally like in the Royal Shakespeare company. Like this dude is, <laughs> is like an incredible actor just like and he's reduced to like my ear freaking hurts every yeah. time i think it is broad i shot through her eyeball yeah. hey so uh you're a fucking journalist you're doing my job for me all right you gotta stop it and and uh, it's tenderloin just... district this is the chief here <laughs> yeah we're in the tenderloin of san francisco modern day <laughs> it's just me and my normal san francisco accent um, well, I, I like Stephen Graham because it's like there's a very limited number of accents that he can do convincingly. Yeah, and yeah. Honestly, don't care which one he uses for any oh, given role. Totally. I I guarantee he can do all of them convincingly. I think he's. Mm. Uh, I I I haven't seen him try anything else uh, other than right. uh, whatever accent Turkish had. And uh, <laughs> oh, Al Capone. Hello. Al Capone, yeah, well, that, that is like the Al Capone. He does like the Al. Capone. He does the Al Capone, that, and he does it perfectly. <laughs> 
But he's like, meet me at Coit Towers, twelve o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the biggest fucking bootlegger here in San Francisco. Um, but uh, but what? But just like watching these brilliant actors, like fucking be reduced to doing the venom movie <laughs> and like yeah. the part where like you think steven graham is dead and then his eyes turn blue and i just went oh fuck man i'm sorry <laughs> yeah i right. didn't get that reference at all i, I mean, didn't get like, it Did either someone i don't say monsters yeah and then his eyes went he said like monsters yeah <laughs> i like he's I, I have no idea what he's going to become but I know it's yeah. going to be more movies where he has to be fucking in a, <laughs> where he has to be this guy. And I'm just like, ah, you know, life is unfair right now. Man. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I've seen a lot worse versions of that where, you know, oh, sure. e- equally good actors are in worse comic book movies. Yeah. 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 For sure. But I just was like watching it just going like, cause Tom Hardy is just, oh, he's just, he's so captivating in anything, yeah. Yeah. anything he yeah. does. I'll yeah. watch anything with him in it. And uh, in this movie, he really is carrying it acting wise. Like I, he's doing a fantastic job. And just knowing that it's going to this is uh, is almost yeah, it's not easy. I mean, they always people always go New York with San Francisco. You yeah. Know? Like I hate to bring Woody Allen back in a great carnage actor, Woody Allen. Yeah. But that that blue Jasmine. Uh, uh, was it blue Jasmine? Yeah. The, the one that takes place in San Francisco. It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. With uh, Kate Blanchett. Like, oh, I saw you in the Mission District the other day. Yeah, right. They got Bobby Cannavale. <laughs> How'd you like to get an SF style Mission Burrito. Super, yeah. obviously. <laughs> they need they need Stephen Jenkins as like the dialect consultant. On I, all the honestly, San <laughs> it should just be the third eye blind guy just being like, "This is how you do San Francisco." Okay, so all the cops are just like. There's a venom on the loose. <laughs> Someone get the anti-venom because there's a venom. He's out there and he's bad boy. He's one of the worst boys we have. We got to stop the bad boy from destroying the city. It should be it should be Stephen Jenkins and Jello Biafra from Dead Kennedys doing all of the all of the work. I love that. We have to stop the carnage. Um, <laughs> Oh God! Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, there was parts of this movie that I thought were just kind of like you know I don't know boilerplate whatever fucking you know superhero bullshit, and then there was like strokes of brilliance. The scene where like Carnage or Venom decides to leave Eddie Brock's body, and then he goes into the gay nightclub. And everyone thinks he's wearing a costume and he steals the mic from the yeah, woman. Yeah. And she, he just does a set real quick where he's just like, he's like, I, what did he say? I'm out of the Eddie Brock closet. Which <laughs> yeah, I, was like, <laughs> I was like, we got woke venom in here. This is. <laughs> yes I think that King. was like the entire justification for it being set in San Francisco, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's the, the only agreement. reason. Uh, and then, yeah, he goes up there and, and he just... jumped from body from raver overdosing on fentanyl to another raver also overdosing on <laughs> yeah. fentanyl. Yeah, yeah, like everybody keeps dying. Yeah, he like, he's just like, oops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like, this one partied too hard and yeah. just crawls out of yeah. its body. <laughs> There's a drug epidemic going on in the gay community. <laughs> yeah, like. Uh, yeah, Venom's next uh, enemy should be like the Sackler family. <laughs> He's just going. I'm going to bite the heads off of everyone who made OxyContin. 
<laughs> yeah, it was uh, like that to me. I was just like, it's so brilliant. And then like the scene ends where he goes into the the alleyway and he just slumps down and he's just like, I miss Eddie. I was like, I love this. I love right. this. Uh, it was, uh, yeah, I would say solid B plus movie, dude. I mean, genuinely. Genuinely. B plus. Great, great stuff. I mean, it was if over- you were going to be bad and like you said, like self-important fuck out of here dude yeah i'm leaving exactly i'm walking out like yeah. just the act of not being self-important is like enough to be considered good uh yeah. for a comic book that yeah. was kind of the thing i liked about the first uh suicide squad it was like i mean i get what you guys are all saying about it being bad but at least it's not uh at least yeah. it doesn't come with the sheen of like moral authority yeah yeah you never ex- like expect there to be a moment where they're filming and the actors go like we might be part of something big here. Yeah. You know, yeah. like we're going to change the world, I think. Yeah. Just them not expecting to be congratulated afterwards. Like, okay, good job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They don't have to sign their work like at the end of Avengers Endgame. Fucking <laughs> right. tools. Um, before we get out of here, um, do you have a, a, a another five minutes, you guys? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Oh, great. Oh, before uh, I, I just wanted to share something that uh, I just um, saw on the Internet. Someone shared this video that I, I was just I, I was blown away that this existed. And it is it's basically a um, an ad for some sort of uh, like, I don't know what you would call it, uh, NGO, like uh, an organization they are called the um, we are the progressive anti-abortion uprising. And it's like it's one of those videos that you're like, they've got all of these things where they're talking about. We are trans. We are gay. We are straight. We are uh, fucking Muslim, Jewish, Christian, and we are against abortion. And then it's <laughs> it's like I, I just you guys, you need to see this video for you to fully understand how amazing it is. We are feminists. Black, indigenous, Latinos, people of color, and white allies. We are atheists, Muslims, Christians, Jewish, and everything in between. We are gay, straight, bisexual, transgender, non-binary, and gender non-conforming. And we believe, we believe, and we believe the progressive values of equality, non-violence, and non-discrimination are incompatible, incompatible with abortion. Abortion violence is the redistribution of the oppression to <laughs> women, the LGBTQ plus community, people who can give birth, and people from low-income backgrounds experience onto an even more vulnerable population, the unborn. Like, this shit is incredible. I mean... I, I- we can't be surprised. Like after the CIA already, like everybody has proved that the like the the language of like identitarianism or whatever you want to call it is like right. the most easily co-optable thing in the world. Yeah, but, like to blatantly bring up low income, right? Like <laughs> yeah, like that. I mean, and, and to call it the redistribution of oppression is like wow. <laughs> <laughs> um. Actually, hold on. I have a I have a higher quality version of this video real quick. Can I just play a little bit of it? Yeah. Okay. We are feminists, black, indigenous, Latinos, people of color, and white guys. We are atheist, Muslim, <laughs> Christians, Jewish, Episcopalian, <laughs> and everything in between. We are gay, straight, very straight, bisexual, transgender, <laughs> non-binary, and gender non-conforming. 
And we believe. We believe. We believe. We believe the progressive values of equality, nonviolence, and non-discrimination are incompatible. Incompatible. Incompatible with Italians. No more Italians. <laughs> Not here. Not ever. Abortion. Italian-American violence. Is the redistribution of the oppression people of color. Women. The LGBTQ plus community. People who can give birth. And people from low-income backgrounds experience. Onto an even more vulnerable population. People who just want to live in a neighborhood without so many goddamn Italians. Today, we are standing up. Standing up. Standing up. Standing up to those goddamn papists. <laughs> and saying, no more. No more. No more. No more. No more. No more Italians. Black lives matter. Trans rights are human rights. Love is love. And Italians need to go back where they came from. <laughs> you have no place in the progressive movement. El futuro es pro vida. We are the progressive anti- Anti-Italian. <laughs> and we will not be silenced. We will not be silenced. We will not be silenced. Revolution begins now. It begins now. It begins now. And next, the French. <laughs> no more Italians.org. Um, it's very important for you guys uh, to sign up for that as soon as as soon as possible. We got to get these Italians out of our progressive spaces. Um, yeah. they, they're uh, inherently reactionary. Um, the food that they eat is cultural appropriation. We um, need to center the conversation on uh, on removing on Italian removal uh, with the uh, with mm. with uh, intersectionality and, and exactly and, and people of color. Exactly, exactly. No more safe spaces for Italians. No more Buco de Beppos. No more <laughs> uh, you know Italian steakhouses. No more Sopranos watch parties, you know? Get no more over here, yeah. more over there. <laughs> yeah. We don't want them walking here. We want them walking <laughs> home. Anyways, uh, just wanted to, you know, just get the message out to our listeners that, uh, you know, there's a scourge and we need to uh, get these Italians out of our spaces. I mean, we're it's a very well. important conversation that we're having and I'm glad that we're having it. Yeah. And uh, anyways, <laughs> I don't know. I think that's a podcast. What do you guys think? Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. so. I'd call it that. All right. Hell yeah. Zach Cappelloni, thank you so much for coming back on the uh, Frogcast. Thanks for having me, you guys. It was yep. truly a, a joy to be here and it was, shit on so many people. It was, <laughs> it, was, it was a joy to have you. Uh, where can we find you online and what podcast do you have? Uh, my podcast that I have is called Hesby Street. And uh, if you want to follow us on Instagram at Hesby Street Pod, H-E-S-B-Y Street Pod, uh, I put up some clips that are funny that convince people to go, okay, I'll, I'll give it one listen. And then um, ZachChapelloni.com, my name, nice. uh, .com for show dates if you want to come to a stand-up show. Uh, not Italian. No, mm. no, 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 mm. no. It's, yeah, that's uh, okay. I think Canary Islands in origin. Yeah, no. Basque. It's a it's a separate thing. It's a separate thing. Yeah. Don't worry, he's not Italian. You don't have to they, worry. They spell Canary Islands with a Y, not with an I. You, yeah, you we're know. good people. Yeah, <laughs> the Canaries are good people. Those are the best Canaries, best birds. <laughs> uh, so check out Hesby Street uh, podcast and uh, go to zachchapelloni.com for more updates. Patreon.com/slash/frotcast for all 
of the uh, you know bonus episodes that you're going to be hearing. Um, we're going to have some on the free feed while we are uh, waiting to start season six of Pod Yourself a Gun. So make sure you subscribe to our feed, Film Drunk Fraudcast, but also join the Patreon, patreon.com slash fraudcast. Vince, oh, we also, uh, fraudcast at gmail.com for all your questions, comments, and concerns. Vince, what is the Google Voice number? 415-275-0030. All righty, everybody. Thanks again so much for listening. And until next time, good night and good chins.